<laughs> we got you. Good morning. We're about to get uh we're about to get started here in a second. Um, so if we can start making our way to have a seat and get ready to hear what won't be necessarily a sermon, but just a good discussion, I guess is a way of putting it. Um, I can do that. <laughs> But we'll, we'll be here a while. Um, so before we, uh, well, now that everything's quiet, I guess I don't have to wait. Um, so this is going to be a little bit awkward for me because I'm a walker, but I do want to make sure that this is, you know, if it's being recorded, I used to be a sound guy too. And I would hate when someone would be like, oh, I don't need this. And then, you know, it's like, I, I really needed it. And so, <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna do my best. I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna do my best to try to stay still and, and record as much as possible. Get much uh, recorded. Let's uh, let's pray before we get going. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I just thank you for who you are, God. I thank you because you're a God that guides us and loves us, and you're just beautiful in who you are. Every part of you is just excellent, and I have no words, no descriptive words that can describe your beauty and your love, but. Lord, as we, we just talk about your glory and who you are, let, us just, let your words just guide us. Let our tongues just fall dead and allow your just Holy Spirit to just flow freely through us, Lord. Lord, I, I want no parts of our flesh to be a part of this, but 100% you and, and what you have for your people. Lord, I want to learn from you today. I'm thirsty and hungry for you, and so are your people, Lord. So we just ask that, that we can feel you and see your presence so that we can continuously go throughout our life and our journey with you, with more knowledge of you, with more just vigor and passion for you. You're a beautiful and awesome God that just loves us beyond all measure. We can't imagine all the, the, the love that you have for us, God. And we thank you for that. We thank you because our mind can't wrap, we can't wrap around your goodness. And yet you have all of that for us. It just reminds me of what you like. Who are we that you are mindful of us, Lord? I thank you for that. I thank you for making us in your image. I thank you for giving us your grace, your mercy to continue to journey with you. Your love is excellent. You're beautiful. And we're just ever so grateful for who you are. 
Lord, allow us mm -hmm. to just, just have a love for you and a passion for you that spills over into this city and just mm -hmm. sets it on fire for you, God. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Lord, let, let our faith really truly be without borders as we go out there mm -hmm. into this hurt and dying world and just heal those who are sick. Let us have a boldness about you. But Lord, let, let us get words of encouragement through your word and your word alone. Mm -hmm. Allow your Holy Spirit to just completely envelop us and let us not quench it out. Let us be doers of your word, not just hearers. That's right. Let it not fall on a dead and, and, and hardened heart. Soften our hearts and our minds. Able our feet to go out and do your word. Mm -hmm. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, my name's Andrew uh, Morgan. <laughs> I, you know, since being here, I don't really. I'm in the Midwest. My, the, you know, it's almost as though it's my proper name to say I'm Pastor Andrew or Drew or whatever you would want to say here. I feel more free for you to just say I am. Call me whatever you want. Just <laughs> try not to cuss at me because I ain't gonna save that long. So. <laughs> No. <laughs> Thank you. All right, but in all seriousness, uh, this is my beautiful wife, Regina. Hey. Hey. Most of you will get a chance to know her before you'll probably get a chance to know me. Uh, she is out there. She's the one who is going to always be the social butterfly. And so when I met her, that was my thing. It was like, okay, I understand where I'm crippled socially, so I had to kind of capture her. <laughs> you, you gotta speak for me because I don't, you know, I know I understand my limitations. So where I'm weak, you know, she comes in and he provides her to be my strength. Yeah. Um, so to give you a little bit of a, a background of what we're going to do here today is, is a simplistic message about journey and it's not one where we're going to do I didn't sit down and do the typical exegesis or anything like that this isn't a base that type of sermon this is us literally just journeying with you a few years back um, a teacher that I had so I hope it's okay yeah, yeah. Uh, a teacher that I had we, we were he invited me to his, uh, when he got his doctorate, he invited us to his grad his party, and he gave us all these papers, and the paper had this journey on it, and he noted from birth to all the way up until the day of the graduation, what his journey was like, and it had all these different markers and milestones, up, up, you know, in his faith walk, and I thought that journey was just an interesting thing. So what we're going to kind of do is is verbally walk through our journey. And one of the reasons why we're doing that is because I've always understood that like, when I worked at a, I worked at a homeless shelter and that's primarily where I've done most of my pastoring. And uh, men would come in and say, hey, help me out, I need help. And then I would always shock them by saying, why? Why should we help you? And it would just shock them because they're like, hold on, it's a cross on the building, you're a pet, like you should help me because And my thing was like, hey, I gotta steward God's money correctly, so why should you get a bed or why should you get any of these things uh, that you just say you want? And the reason why I would say this is because sometimes guys would just throw stuff away. You know, like you give them a shirt and I'll go outside an hour later and it's like, well, it rained, so I just threw the shirt away. And they would ask for another one. So sometimes I would ask these real important questions like, hey, why? Why should I give you this? 
And when they would answer the question, it was always, you know, I didn't really care. I just wanted to know that they wanted it. But then I would always get this answer and response and stuff like the why. They would say, well, I'm a Christian. That's why. And I would always ask the follow-up question, well, who's Jesus then? I would ask this question because people would say things, especially like after Easter, like, oh, he is risen. Is he? <laughs> because I'm more of a skeptical kind of person in my flesh. So I'll... <laughs> and it was shock, especially mainly church people were shocking when I would challenge them. Well, who is this Jesus you talk about? They knew I knew something. So it's like, well, he didn't get this title, you know if he didn't know something so i would ask i would ask because i was thirsty i was hungry to find out more of him see i love him and so i know who he is in my life but who is he in your life that's me getting to know my dad like know my master my beautiful savior more like where is he i'm chasing him but you chase him by these simple questions sometimes who is he so today that's kind of what we're doing we're going to show you a little bit of who he is through us we look forward to finding out through you as an individual who he is. But one of the examples I would give to men all the time is I would describe my wife. And I would, and you guys are physically here. How many of you can tell me her middle name? How many of you can tell me her favorite food? One of the reasons. <laughs> Did you say tacos? Okay, she cheated. <laughs> but one of the reasons why I asked, I would ask guys this question, especially upon entering our rehabilitation program, when someone says they know him, I want to know that you know him. I want to know that you have a knowing, and that knowing comes from this intimate thing. It's intimate place. So in our learning, there's this word that I've never pronounced the right way. Go ahead, say it for me. Epigonosco. Epigonosco. It means to uh, to become thoroughly acquainted with, to know thoroughly, to know accurately, to know well, to know, to recognize uh, by sight, by hearing, by certain signs, to perceive who a person is. And this is the Greek way of saying knowing, right? And reason why we use that word, not to be extra churchy and to give you a church term, you know, like, hey, this is how you say it in the Greek. It's not that. It's about this idea of like, there's this knowing, having that personal intimate encounter with God. So to the point that when someone asks you a descriptive question, it can be no different than describing your spouse. Who is Jesus? For me, you'll hear me use the word beautiful over and over again because that's the limitations of maybe my education or just how I see him. But it's just beauty. It's just the only thing that keeps coming out over and over again. That's who he is to me. But the encounter that I had to come to that knowing, the encounters that we had, this is how we get to that descriptive place. Each one of us, this week I hope is challenged to hear that question. That is such a blessing. Could you picture living a life where someone has to ask you that question? If someone asks you who your Jesus is lately, who is Jesus? When was the last time you were asked that question? This is a life we need to seek out. I want that question every day because I'm excited to explain it. 
sometimes I have to butt into conversations just to say it because I want to tell you. <laughs> you know, just sometimes we got to be that crazy guy. But every time we hit that up, it goes down. Look, at, this is why Apple is from. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we we uh, as we go through this journey, we recognize one one set of scripture, and we're going to give you different sets of scripture. Um, one set of scripture that we wanted to share with you at the beginning. So the the, the um, first passage is from First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse nine through thirteen. It says, "For we know in part, and we prophesy in part." But when what is perfect comes, the partial will be set aside. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. For now we see in a mirror indirectly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So when we read this verse, we got excited because we thought about this whole idea that where it says, but then I will know fully. We and we believe that we know that there'll come a day where we'll get a chance to hear him say, well done, and we'll be face to face and everything will make sense. But in the meantime, we also, when we pray, we, we love this idea of just letting his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in yeah. heaven. We want to experience him while we're here on earth. We don't want to have that wait until then. I don't want to go to heaven half full or did, did, didn't do this, didn't do that. While here, I want to have that full experience to my human capacity. That brings us back to that word. Epigonosco. <laughs> as much as I can know him, I want to know him. So, one of the big takeaway questions for today is who is he? But let's get started on our journey. Growing up, Regina and I kind of had a similar background, but a little bit different. Um, it is eerily similar, but just completely different uh, when it's described. We both grew up, and one of the ways that I would describe it is saying, we, um, we knew about him, we knew what church was, we knew enough to describe Jesus, but we couldn't pick him out of a lineup. <laughs> so like me being kind of a visual person, one of the things I always think of is like we were literally sitting there and it's like these four different gods sitting there on the lineup and we're like, yeah, you know, someone's asking us like, so who's the Jesus that stole your heart? And we're like, ah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had on a roll. <laughs> from that that lack of knowing but we had some of a church background so kind of describe your background a little bit. so for me I grew up my mom was a single parent of five kids and so she worked she was a nurse so she worked all kind of crazy hours so we couldn't just go to church with her every Sunday so for the most part I grew up a Lutheran because that's the church that my grandmother went to um, and it was mundane and it was routine and so I could sit and be looking over here and I knew what they were going to say next because they followed a system every single time you were going to read the Apostles Creed you were going to sing some hymns out of the hymnal book you got a little bit of a different message every week but 
for the most part, it was routine and they didn't have a children's church. You did go to Sunday school and that's where we, I felt like in the Lutheran church, that's where I learned like the Sunday school version of Jesus. So that part was pretty normal, but the Lutheran part, it was like, we're gonna take this communion every time and we're good. It was just so routine. So every, all the kids went into the church as well. So we had to sit there, you know, and be quiet and stay awake <laughs> through this. And it was routine. You knew when church was gonna end. It was there was a time restraint and every there was not the presence of God there really. I didn't feel. So that's kinda how I grew up. Speaking of stay awake. Had preached at uh, homeless shelters for years. I will wake you up if you're asleep. I will, it was my favorite thing to do to me. And, and it's it's fun. I love doing it. So I look forward to any one of you following. I will come up with a creative way. Um, so for me, I grew up Church of God in Christ. Uh, Church of God in Christ is a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll put you like this. For me, having this introverted attitude, uh, like like life, like personality, everyone would be up running, like not everyone, but every now and then, you know, the music gets going, people are running around and screaming, and it's like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this misunderstanding. I literally envisioned the Holy Ghost being a Holy Ghost that haunted, like, like, it was <laughs> so, like, my mom takes off running, I'm like, no, the ghost is gone. <laughs> that was my biggest fear, was this, was the this, ghost. Fear, was this ghost, yeah. yeah. And so for me, I, I, I would hear these things, and this isn't us like church bashing on different denominations. This was just our growing up, right? Yeah. So for me, one of my biggest struggles was um, I would hear these statements related to worship that I felt didn't mesh with who I was. And this was me mm -hmm. processing this as a child, like hearing things like a rock of crying in my place. And it's like, I don't have this reason yet to be jumping and running like this lady does or this guy does. And it made me feel as though I didn't have a place with God because I was looking at other people's worship. So side note, off of just this sermon here, remember, regardless of where you are, don't put on someone else's armor. Yep. You have to fight your own giants the way, because Saul tried to put on David, uh, tried to put his armor on David, and David couldn't go and fight Goliath yep. like that. He had to put on his own armor, mm -hmm. which basically consisted of a little slingshot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta go out there and face your giants with your slingshot. Mm -hmm. And for me, now that I'm an adult, I realized that and you gotta understand this about your relationship with kids and being transparent to them when it comes to this spiritual thing. See, the enemy wanted to get me there. He wanted to kill my worship there. You get me? He didn't care about mom getting her breakthrough running and screaming. Cool, whatever. His focus was trying to get me. And so it's important for us to teach our children to worship regardless if they like it or not. It's important for us to to show them that way. Because at that point, that was a lot for us to overcome. But um, that was our background. <laughs> so here's this beautiful thing about God. We both have this thing in common also about our backgrounds. So when I say we, we grew up kind of separate but different, 
one of the reasons why we were we found ourselves in that church environment the church environments that we were in was because we both had fathers who were drug addicts mm -hmm. ironically well, yeah, ironically it was i won't go into a whole government conspiracy, conspiracy <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> there was a portion, and it's very painful for me to talk about this. There's a portion of our society, like there was a time in our society, in this country, which I love my country, but the crack epidemic took away so much mm -hmm. from us as a society, not just African Americans, mm -hmm. but us as a whole. And it was funded off of hate and this capitalist way of thinking of things. And I'm not gonna journey down that, that road of everything. This destroyed so much of a part of me that I've studied it. And it's taken a lot of Jesus showing me where he is and where he isn't for me to be healed behind it mm -hmm. and not letting a, be a bitter root settle in. Mm -hmm. But that crack epidemic spread mm -hmm. so wide and so vast that What's the chances? You know, like my dad was addicted to the same drug that her dad was addicted to. Mm -hmm. So I was a radio DJ um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this is like skipping a lot of our life, but just fast forward into our story. I was a radio DJ and I did a show about, um, I used to do a talk show on Sundays. It's funny how God is always like kind of showing you what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so, so on Sunday, you know, was my main show. And so like I would do this show on Sundays where I would just talk about what was real and relevant. And we had this, uh, I had this show about coping with being a, what? He called it, um, the show was entitled um, Coping with Drug Addicted Parents. And we're, we're adults by then, but I called him. His he was the only time I would listen to the radio because everything else was just garbage to me. <laughs> anyway, but um, so he he had that show on Sunday. I called in just to tell my experience of what I went through as a child who had a drug addicted father, and I didn't know because he didn't say that that was what he dealt with. He just kind of was going about it, talking about how do you cope with it and everything. Well, I called in and we talked and he's like, well, can you stay on the line? Like, I gotta do these, I gotta do these, these things. On, I gotta do these things on the radio and I'll come right back to you. But can you stay on the line? <laughs> so that's kind of how we connected. That was good customer service. <laughs> I don't know where you guys are going. <laughs> yeah. That's all it was. But we understand. We bring up that story just to say that we understood stand this biblical principle that the blessing flows through the Father. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people kind of ignore this principle because of father wounds. Like I mentioned the crack epidemic earlier. Well, picture the amount of father wounds. It wasn't about getting, it's not about, when we have drug issues, it's not about us sometimes. It's about attacking the children. When divorce happens, it's about the children. Uh -huh. That's what we want. And you know, so for, for us dealing with this, we understood blessings flow through our father. And so here's the beautiful thing. There's no curse 
there's a blessing that flows. So we got examples, like a biblical example would be in Genesis 25. Uh, you've got Esau uh, and Jacob. You got that fighting for the blessing right there, right? Mm -hmm. But then the, the thing we want to talk about is the no curse side of it, right? right. Because we escape easily, the curse. Right, because <laughs> easily we should be drug addicts. Why not? You know what I'm saying? Like it's especially with my particular growing up with it because I was in it more firsthand. Like her mother did a really good job of sheltering her away and her dad's drug use was her dad's drug use. My father is a good father. Love him. He kept me with him. You know, so it wasn't as though I didn't see it. So I know what like dope cooking smells like. Like I know what it's like to be in a dope house. So it's a different feel for me. That's why it's like we have a similar background but different, but we both had this love for our father that was just childlike because we were children. Because honestly, um, my father is the person who gave me Jesus. Like when he was sober and when he was of a sound mind, that's all he talked about. That is all he talked about. He gave us little nuggets that still reign true in my life today. Awesome. We could say attitude check. He'd say attitude check to us, and we have to say praise the Lord. It was just to, it was to get us back in tune with, hey, calm down, chill out, get yourselves together, you know. And so those things still stick with me to this day. So go ahead. And, and you know the irony is like my same thing. Like my father gave me Jesus even when he was high. It was just one of those things where he would tell me stories of like his belief never abandoned him. And it makes people, this might make people uncomfortable, but one of the things he told me was like, he was like, yo, I woke up praying for a hit one day and he gave it to me. He didn't want to go through the withdrawals. It was that real. If you've been in addiction, you know how real it is. So I remember a time he came in the house and he was like, man, I just got shot at 12 times point blank, but I don't have a bullet a wound on me. He wasn't hot. It was a real life thing. So these are the experiences where it's like shootouts. I remember there was this house that there was this dope house that he had around the corner. And I remember watching it, waking up watching the news and it was like 4218 Highland was just shot up. The police busted in. They got shot at. Three people were, were shot, uh, were killed. My dad literally just walked out. I, I walked outside. My dad sleep on the front porch. We lived in my grandmother's house. My dad's sleeping on the front porch. Hmm. And it's like, he walked out the dope house right before the shooting happened. So his understanding of who God was, was in that mess. Like he still knew who he was and he still would always say, hey man, I'm alive because of Jesus. And it was like, wow, that was a weird thing. That was weird to me because it's like, well, my pristine view of Jesus is, he's not a part of any of that mess. I'm so glad that was I was wrong. Because yeah. yes. once I got in my own mess and then he was still his hand was still there with yeah. me, I'm like, right. I'm glad that churchy view of Jesus was was alive. <laughs> yep. So we don't get the curse. John chapter nine verses one through three. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that his Sorry, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. That verse always reminds me of my father when I read that one because it was just that was his whole point. It was like I remember my dad always telling me, "Yo, you can be whatever you want to be in life. Whether you're gonna be doing this or whether you're gonna be doing preaching or whatever it is you're gonna do, you're gonna be the best at it." 
I love that Jesus is quoting like there, and we like said so this won't be a typical sermon, so I'm not gonna go into it, but I just love the way he taught his disciples. Because yeah. he taught them within the information that was still like that was accessible to them. Yep. And so when you read that verse, I want you to understand what Jesus responds to him is in quotation. So go chase out what he where it came from. See if it gets even more beautiful. Um so that wraps up like the section of like but God. Like that's the but God blessings flow through the Father. Then there's us. There's this but us. Because God brought us out of all of this, and you would think we would just trust him and love him. But um, so was it uh Romans chapter seven, verse fifteen through twenty. We all kind of notice. We could probably read it as a group. I'm not saying we do that, but um <laughs> Let's read, because this is, I love this section. Romans what? Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. If you don't have this highlighted in your Bible, try to get this highlighted in your Bible, because it's something to live by. It says, for I don't understand what I am doing, for I do not do what I want. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I do what I don't want, I agree that the law is good. But now it is no longer me doing it, but the sin that lives in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For I want to do good, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the very evil I do not want. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer me doing it, but sin that lives in me. Yeah. So... And we we get you go all the way to twenty. You don't have to, but like all the way to twenty five, it just it keeps getting better. Yeah. But for us, we use this set of scripture to describe this portion of our journey because here we are with this knowing, the slight knowledge of God, right? Not quite there yet. Know enough to be dangerous. So, for example, my wife has a good heart, so she would help pay bills for other people, but then go get a payday loan. You know, like that ineffective nature of knowing and wanting to do good. So I would get food stamps at the time because I was, this was this brief stage in my life where I was a single dad. And it was me, the three kids, full time, and then Brayden would come off every other week. So it was like I had four kids, so I qualified for food stamps at the time. So I would take like $100 worth of food stamps and go feed the homeless. But I did that out of this like no knowledge of, of whether I was helping or hurting. Mm. Had worked in it, later on I realized how much I was actually doing more harm in, in different ways. But uh, it was us just trying, like we, we felt like there was this law we saw that we had to follow. It was like, you do good to others, you do, and this is why. And we were just following all of this, but there was no Jesus in the mix. It was this, hey, we know these rules and these regulations and we should just follow them and it'll make me feel, oh. oh. It'll make me feel better. <laughs> it won't give glory to him. Right. It'll make me feel better. And that was where we was. It was this place where we ran into a relationship of living with one another. Out of order. You know, we had talk, <laughs> we we had Brayden. You know, we didn't talk about the wedding yet, though, right? <laughs> Let's nope. first start with me talking about a divorce. So I was still in this, you know, I, we're, we're still in these different situations where everything is like, we've got lust, 
we've got adultery, we got abuse, like verbal and mental and physical abuse and all, like everything that we, we were just living in this ruin, but knowing better. Every now and then we pull ourselves out of our sludge and rinse off a little bit and go to church for a few weeks and then fall right back into it because the weight of the sin was there. It was just like, hey, what, what do we do? Yeah. And we didn't want to keep this cycle going. And we fought against each other because flesh was just like that. It was just one of those things where it's like, my flesh, no, my flesh. Like it was just, so there was this entire, like there was always this struggle of trying to fit her life into my life and us then trying to pretend at the same time that God's in control of this. Something good happens, God's good. Something bad happens, it's on us. And woe is us, and let's hide from him. Let's get our fig leaves out. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we were in that stage of life, and it got difficult. Um, but then there's the but God again. But then he showed back up. He never left, but yeah, we yeah we started noticing. <laughs> we allowed him. We we allowed ourselves to see him. Yeah. And it kind of started with us, uh, with me, out of a place of desperation. It's always when you're in that place of desperation that you're willing to humble yourself to ask for help. And I remember I was about to quit my job in order to. Uh, it was either quit my job or move my son out of his school. And I realized I couldn't really quit, so I was gonna move my son out of the school. And then someone said, well, you just need to ask. So I asked my, I asked around, I started kind of begging people to help watch my son after I got out of school, after he got out of school. And it put me in the direction of this after school program, which inadvertently like was, uh, touch was this, this, the church's way of secretly sneaking people into church. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, we're an after-school program. And then it was like, I gotcha. get Jesus. <laughs> and that's kind of how it worked for us. Like, I got there to the after-school program, and then my son was like, I want to visit the church. I was like, of course you do. You're being manipulated. Like, that was my <laughs> 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 of course. It's, it's, <laughs> So I showed up to this church and oh my god, no one could sing on the praise and worship. It was just like everything was awkward. But they were sincerely just who they were and they got me. And they were like, hey man, you can come serve and just do what you do best. What do you do best? I'm like, I don't know. And I learned what I did best and I was able to just figure some things out. Regina saw that I was changing sincerely. Um, and but you know, before that, <laughs> um, Andrew, he seemed like he was trying to manipulate me into getting back with him through church. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you can easily do that when you have a background of church. And I know I needed God. I know I needed him. But I was like, I need to find a different church home. I don't want to go to the same place that Andrew's going. You know, I, I need to find my own space. We are trying to be separate. I, we're just raising Braden, you know, all of these things. And so... He has the <laughs> he has the um, pastor's wife come and ask me to come on a Wednesday night. But see, I now this is her perspective versus my perspective, right? I honestly, because I've always said this and I still say this to this day, even though I, I still say this, I have no I had no desire for her to come to our church. Like I wanted her to be in church, just in church, around church godly women. I didn't care, like, because some of my best friends came to me and was like, man, you've changed. How do I change? 
and I would invite to take them to other people's church. I was like, hey man, my pastor don't mind if I miss. So I didn't care if she went to, I wanted her to go to this church called Higher Dimensions um, because I was just like, but I need you in church. Like that was my mindset. So I was trying to, I wasn't necessarily trying to recruit her to me. I was really trying to recruit but her I to felt, But that's how I felt. Like you said, my, my perception was, I felt like he was manipulating the situation to try to get me back. So. The guy would do that. <laughs> I mean, I understood the benefit. <laughs> like, I'm not completely innocent. <laughs> so, but. So, so, in 2010 is when I, you know, came back into the church. I did go on that Wednesday night with the, the pastor's wife asked me, and I fell in love. I felt like I was at home. I felt that's where I needed to be and I was like well dang it how's this gonna work out you know yeah. I'm not trying to mess up because I could see that he was changing I wasn't trying to be a distraction or a temptation or whatever you know the case and so God, God fixed it yeah so we we kind of went through this point where we got married uh, in 2011 he rescued right on time because we got really hard um, the spiritual reform is kind of how I describe it. Like we really had to consecrate ourselves to him. Mm -hmm. And so certain limitations we had, you have on life and God knows what your limitations are. And um, there were a lot of things I wasn't cut out for. And a lot of celibacy was one of them. <laughs> but it was... <laughs> I hate that it was kids in the room. But, okay. it was subtle. but yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of look at it from the standpoint of like, there was this point where Regina, this is how I, this is how we got to marriage for me. We got to this point where Regina stood up at church and I was in the sound booth and Regina was at church and, and she just said, Hey, um, I don't need a man. I don't need anything. All I need is Jesus. And that's when it clicked in with me that I'm going to marry her. I didn't necessarily care one way or another, but it was just like, hey, that's what she needs, that's what she needs. So, um, and for me, when I knew that it was, cause I felt really, I, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I felt really scared to jump back into um, a relationship. You know, we had been through so much and there's so much more to the story, but we had been through a lot. And I was really afraid. And, and Andrew kept telling me, you know, God is telling me that you're my wife. And I was just like, he has not told me that. And it wasn't like, I just was that weird guy in church who walks up to her. Hey, God told me. You know, no. <laughs> I'm not saying it was like that, but he yeah, did like, tell me. We, you know, he's yeah, like, we weren't completely different. We spent every day of our life together. So but I was wasn't. still, you know, I was still afraid to, you know, yeah. like make that commitment of, you know, marriage and things like that. And I was just like, you know, God did not tell me that. No. So I started praying and asking God because I kind of saw that my mom did things somewhat incorrectly, I feel, um, with my father. She, my father was very manipulative. He, he could use God and it would grab my mom like that and she'd jump right back in. And then we'd go through this cycle. And so for me, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to ask God if he's supposed to be my husband, you know. And so I started praying and asking God these specific questions. Like, is he trying to use your word, you know, to get me back and all these things? 
And I, that's the way I started praying. And I'll never forget, Andrew came and said, and I didn't ask him because I saw that my mom did it incorrectly. She would ask my dad, are you just manipulating me, you know? And I was like, no, don't ask him. He's just gonna tell you what you wanna hear. You know? And so I started, you know, after I asked God, I remember Andrew coming and saying like the words that I had prayed to God specifically. Like God is asking me, am I trying to get you back through manipulation? And I was like, oh God, you answer me. You know, I felt a peace fall over me and I was like, Okay, all right, this could be, this This could be. Awesome. <coughs> so in order to hear that, there came this point where these scriptures became, this set of scripture, especially like verse three for me more than anything changed my life, but all of this was how we got to this point of hearing. Like how did we hear from God? Like how, and this is a question that people ask all the time. Like, okay, you love Jesus, but how do you, how did you get to this place where you got closer? I wish I had a softball answer, but I can only tell you from our life. And it comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with him. So put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth, sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, um, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. You also lived your lives in this way at one time when you were used to, ooh, when you used to live among them. Um, but now put off all such things such as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his practices and have been clothed with the new man that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. So, that's real. And we often like to go past that and say we just don't have a conviction about certain things. I mean, I would read that over and over and over again because the words were right there. I mean, you could he was literally telling you to leave these things behind and it was words that I could understand yeah. you know sexual immorality impurity you know evil desire greed and you know all these things I'm like okay I yeah get rid of that stuff you know so yeah. it was easy to understand so I would read it over and over and over again until it got down in my spirit and I didn't want to do those things anymore you know for me had been a person who had been abusive I had liked the, the heart of that abuse came from wanting to grasp control. That's what abuse usually comes from. And we, we mask it with words like frustration and other things. I read this book by Charles Stanley um, called uh, Surviving an Angry World. And it helped me recognize anger around me so that I wouldn't then dive into it. And I thought that was the opposite of what I needed. I wanted someone to tell me how to cure my anger. And I had to learn how to recognize it so that I can kind of not become a company to it. Like, you know, it, and then really more or less bring the healer to the hurt. But if I can't recognize your arm is broke, then I can't necessarily bring the stand or whatever it is that, that's needed to help. Yeah. And so I began to really work on the anger and then all of a sudden these other things started falling off. And so that's where the journey kind of started for us. But there was some, there was some reform that it's funny that it was good for that time frame. My idols at that time was music. Our, we too. had, and so had been a DJ. It was it was deep. So I remember taking 
when we first got married, going out into the garage, and I called one of my friends who's a DJ. He came over and he watched me as accountability rip up and throw away hundreds of albums. And it was like, you know, when you're ripping up Thriller, it feels wrong inside. She said, oh man. You know, and he was like trying to keep some on the side. He's like, yeah. let me get this Sinatra. And I'm like, no, everything, <laughs> everything must go. And, and I'm not telling anyone they have to do that. That was me. I'm not telling anyone they should have to, to that they're going to catch that. But for me, I understood what my idols were. It was him or God. It's music or Jesus. And I had to make that definitive decision. Which one is it going to be? Because I allowed music to be my holy spirit that was my thing when i was sad i had my music when i was wanting to be happy i had my music i didn't know to rely on the voice of god i let music be my now that was me as a dj each one of you can dismiss yourself from that statement personally if you catch a conviction keep it it, it will work out for you. it'll work out for you i promise it's not condemnation but i had to go through a stage where i got rid of all of the music all of the different things that i posted up and they were idols in my life. Yeah. I had to kind of, all the bootleg, I got rid of all the bootleg DVDs in the house, all the rated <laughs> R DVDs. I got rid of everything because it was like, okay, if we're going to have love language only in our house, if we're only going to talk well to one another, if I'm not going to be abusive, that's about recognizing what's around me. If I watch a movie and it's got sex and lust in it, then guess what I'm going to be doing as soon as everybody leaves the house? Mm-hmm. I'm going to fall right back into that trap. So I may not be pulling out I mean, not be. Um, it could be something simple. Like one of the things that my kids still get mad at me about from that time frame, I wouldn't let us watch How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Because of there was a lot of innuendo, a lot of talk about it, and they went. Oh, and when they got to their mom's house, they all binged it. The look on his face was like, like that was in your house. But, but they, you know, but that it was this this conviction. I felt that it was like. I understood what seed was being planted. So am I going to be that type of dad that's going to cut it off? Yeah. I have to cut it off. I have to come after it because this is what manhood, this is what Christ did for me. He didn't kind of slightly get on the cross. He got on it. He killed it. It's finished. So why would I let something live? Because I'm comfortable with it? Because I don't want to rock the boat? Because other people are going to judge me? And I was judged very harshly for tearing up my album. I was judged very harshly when I said I'm not going to smoke a cigar again. Judged very harshly when I said I'm not going to have another drink again. I'm not anti you doing any of those things. Me, you can sit down, you can have a glass of wine and a cigar and I'll be fine. I won't. That's what reform I needed. I understood my limitations. I, but that took relationship with him. The relationship with him comes into verse 3 for me when it says, The old me is dead and I'm found alive in Christ how he's alive in me, how I obey what he asked of me. I didn't know why he didn't want me to have another drink again. I didn't know why he wanted me to stop smoking. It turns out I I end up pastoring at a homeless shelter where we're trying to get men to stop smoking and stop drinking. Mm -hmm. So I was learning to lead by example then. So you know what, I'm glad I, I was hushed my mouth then and didn't say, well, Lord, this is permissible. I can do this. I just did what he said. So after that stage of spiritual reform and brought on us being able to kind of have love language for one another, we literally took uh, scripture references and we taped up scriptures around our house. And they looked raggedy, but we taped them up 
And we put up these little signs that said love language only as a reminder. And the irony is sometimes we'll be arguing with each other saying ugly stuff in front of the love language sign. <laughs> but it was there. So kind of fast forwarding it, because uh, we, we do want to be mindful to get you guys out of here. In, in, in a good and we're time. almost done now. Um, is there was this uh, apathetic stage of just kind of growth but we weren't fully fighting to be equally yoked stage so that means like we were one but all of us had our own hustle going like the kids had their school thing and their play thing whatever they wanted Regina had her, her corporate thing and I had my pastor thing so it's like I got, you know, I'm out there, I could be out there till midnight doing a death call as a chaplain, or I could be waking up in the middle of the night to go rescue a homeless person or something. That was me. We all had our own individual things, but we weren't fighting to be equally yoked. Like, we are one. Like, we weren't fighting for it. It was just like, it was life with him. It was beautiful. Our faith, and God sent us different ways that we could yoke together and we could fight for a common bond, but we would, we would kind of kill some of them. One of the hardest things that I intentionally never wanted to put in here, but I'm going to talk about it now, because I got to, is that uh, so one of those little things that God sent us at the beginning of our marriage there was I looked at this, I looked at my wife one day and I kind of recognized that she wanted uh, another kid and I recognized I wanted another kid but let's go all the way back to that stage in our journey where we were doing what we knew we shouldn't have done and one of the things that I did because I wanted to keep doing what I wanted to do even though I know I didn't want to do it was get a vasectomy because I wanted to keep doing what I wanted to do even though I didn't really want to keep doing it and so I did that but then I, I, I fast forward years later and it's like that potential to do it is gone so I can't have kids because I killed that so then it became a faith thing and God was like cool I'm still going to give you this desire and I'm stuck with this desire it's like oh we want to have kids so we prayed about it and we knew God said he would do it and we, we struggle with one thing that happened that we always leave, we've left out of this story multiple times. But Regina went to the doctor one day and the doctor indicated everything that she had, that, that God actually did it, but then didn't, that he, um, that she, what, what, what appeared. That I had a miscarriage. So, you can do it, God, but you won't. So my choice then, and this is why this is called the apathetic growth stage, because you can grab on and you can have faith and you can keep going. You can be that person that stands up in church and tells everyone, yo, I got this faith. Nah, I just, I just kept going. Yeah, I love you, Jesus. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to, because that stretches my faith. That stretches me. Because I might be mad at you. 
I don't want to talk. I just don't want to talk about it. Like that. That was my attitude. So then he sent other little things where it was like he was always good to us during this stage. This is four or five years of just serving, being church president, being a police chaplain, doing all these different things. Regina leading a praise and worship team. Us just doing all these different things and just being in God, enjoying our life, but ignoring the hard stuff. And uh, so that kind of fast forwards us down to this stage where he said, okay, it's time to go. Abraham's down. <laughs> I put in the notes Abraham style. Yo, I don't know why I put that. I was looking at that like, what? <laughs> I was like, that's corny. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> I was just gonna let it be. I'm like, I'm saying that. <laughs> and, and it's like, but why are we going? And he's like, well, you know, because faith without works is dead, man. It's like, but why are we going? Because faith without Because we've had this great faith, but we weren't pushing. And he said, go. And um, and we say Abraham style because Abraham had great faith. And from the time we would announce to people we were leaving, they was like, no job? No. No house? No. So you're just going. Like Abraham. Like that was always, like we heard that from everyone. It was like, yeah, I guess. And so that's where we was. But let, let's read this because I want to give a couple of, I want to say something I think is important. Um, this is James chapter 2, verse 14 through 20, looks like. Um, what does it profit, my brethren? Oh, why'd you put it in King James? Uh, <laughs> it's new King James. Does that make it's okay. I know. I, it's just harder to read so I may stumble a little but um, <laughs> what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works can faith save him if a bre brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to him depart in peace be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what does it profit mm -hmm. thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you, um, but do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So for us, we kind of looked at this and it was like, we could do all these other things to help other people's faith along, but when it came to us really believing and staying still and doing what God said, it was like we had a history of all, in all honesty, of just apathy, just kind of just being like, I'm good. Like, I'm good just being everybody else's pastor. I'm not, I don't need you to be king, priest, and prophet in my life. I don't need you to be my faith, hope, and love. I just need you to just keep being this and I'm going to keep playing religion. Yeah. And what Jesus did was he said, okay, I'm going to send you on this journey and I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. I'm going to provide for you. Go. No resources. Go. We not, we're not wealthy people. Um, no. <laughs> by no stretch of the imagination. <laughs> um, and so we went and we came and I think for us when I looked at the example of uh, I looked at an example uh, read 21 through like maybe 24 there. It's still from the same. Sorry. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? 
and by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So for us, it's like listening to God and like loving the idea that he calls us friend. That's such a beautiful concept, right? That we're never alone in life, that he's consistently our friend. For us, we felt like we were offering our children up. Uh, we felt like we were put like basically like Navon and Braden and, and even our daughters, uh, Nyla and Niera, that we were putting them on this altar. Like if we were like, hey, we're about to uproot the way you know things and the way you see things. Our oldest son, Gold, went to a pretty prestigious school and was doing pretty well at it. And it was like, yeah, you've got a good plan to get you into college, and it seems like you're executing it really well. You're in all the right classes. you got everything set up. Let's go uh, take a trip up this mountain real quick. <laughs> and his attitude was like, hey, where's the, no, hold on, where's the job? Where's the money? No, hold on. Like, and he, but he still, you know, he still was going. He still came with us. And for us, it was hard for us to reconcile these emotions, like in certain moments, but God was like, do you believe me? Do you love me? Do, do you trust me? Do you have faith? And it's like, yes, but saying yes it meant nothing without putting our feet to our, you know, to our faith. We had to do that. And so here we are now. And with that, we're looking at, we shared all this with you just to show you what our risen Jesus looks like. You understand, like, we didn't walk you through this just to say, hey, look at us. We're not, you know, just selfish people like, hey, look, we're shiny and pretty. No, it's a very ugly journey. I don't like telling people I was abusive or, uh, you know, I had bad, you know, habits and all these different things. We point this out just to point out to everyone that you have a walk and a journey within you. What's your risen Jesus look like? Because he's the one that you're going to be able to have to describe. I quote this, uh, this, or I talk about this section a lot, and um, and I'm sorry, this might not be the best audio. Um, I talk about Exodus 33 a lot because this friend of God is this beautiful thing where I, where um, where Moses is talking to God like they're just buddies, they're friends, and he's telling them like, look, we're not gonna go without your presence. And he tells God, like, can you picture talking to God and be like, look, man, we're not going without you. And God promises to go before him and after him. And that's the most beautiful thing. And that's, that was my attitude with God. It was like, okay, we love you, we believe in you, but we're not going without your presence. So you'll provide, you'll make a way. And he has. He has so far. There's moments where it gets tough because we're at this point now where God's told us to do one thing. And it's like every natural part of my flesh is like, yeah, I should be doing something else. <laughs> because he's saying, stay still. I'm going to take care of all these bills and other things. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> but they're here. Now. Yeah. And the saying, like, if it's his will, it's his bill, is cute. <laughs> <laughs> Until the bill comes in your name and not Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> But we're still staying the course, and you know, and that's where it answers us. Uh, you know, choosing to answer the call to be church planters and do it in a non-traditional way is we're allowing God. We're taking the time. A lot of what we'll be doing is just really trying to find ways to raise funds to be able to take the time to learn our community so that we can be most effective in serving it. 
then setting launch dates and getting core groups and other things together. Uh, right now, one of the main focuses that we're, we have in getting to know our community is the Naturally Beautiful Project. Uh, we don't want to just assume that we, we all right, we're Jesus people, we can, we can do it, you know. We want to know, we want to have relational, spiritual models that we follow. We want to have a relationship with you. We want to have a relationship with you that's powered by the Spirit of God. And that's how we know we can be effective in your life. And uh, so that's where we are now, and that's what God has brought us here for. He did not tell us that back in, in um, I would have gladly come if you would have said, We're gonna, but you know what I would have also done? I would have gladly put my money into this first. And instead he's like, nope. He's made everything clear now that there's no more money. That's the funny part about this. It's like, <laughs> it's like all right, now everything's clear. And it's like, oh, I got this task. It costs this much. And it's like, why? Because he wants us to build his, his what he wants us to build. It's his plan. We're going to follow his plan. We're going to have faith. So I bring all that up to say to you guys, if there's ways that you know you want to be an encouragement to someone, pray for us. Intercede. You know, be be those prayer warriors that you are designed to be. But more importantly, if you need encouragement, as we've shared with you who we are, we took a little bit of extra time, and I know this was wordy or whatnot, but we felt in praying about this and what to say, we felt like it was important that you need to know. It's one thing to... It's one thing for you to just to for people to people tend to just come together and say, "Hey, we believe, we believe." We want you to know where, where our faith is. We want you to know and to and get a better description of who Jesus is and how He's risen in our life. Our reason, our risen Jesus, is one who challenges us. He's beautiful. He's there with us. He guides us. He loves us. He's a provider. He's like he's just every beautiful color that that I can think of combined. Like he looks so beautiful and it's hard to just look at him some mornings to get up because his beauty is just there and he is something very physical and something very real to my mind my heart and who he is is real and it's not a joke it's not a game it's not something to it's not that for me i wouldn't sit here and lie to you jesus is something that's real and he really is risen and i want each and every last single one of you to know that today that in our life that he is set afire that he has really truly stretched us and he is continuing to do it and I'm being honest and I'm not saying this in like a facetious like I'm not meaning this in any negative way or to bring but you know what if you need that spark I promise you be around the fire you'll catch it I want to display where his fire is and I need you guys to encourage me because you got a fire in different places so you show me where the fire is. You saw how I was broken. I'm, I still am broken in parts when I have to talk about Mallory. Maybe you got that fire. We're a community. We need each other to survive. So you got anything? That's it. That's it. All right. Wrap it up. It's twelve thirty. So what is your middle name? <laughs> it is Lachelle. Lachelle, I should say. My mom is like, it's a musical note. And... <laughs> Gina Lachelle. Okay. But um, do understand this also. This is probably the most you'll ever see me talk. Whenever a microphone is around, this is me. The worst. When the microphone's off, 
this isn't. This doesn't exist. It doesn't. Please don't be offended by that. This, this, this is Jesus through me. I wish I could match it, but to be honest with you, I don't. It would be exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all for Are your are your hearts encouraged? Yeah. yeah, so many different things to think about and um one takeaway from me, definitely what a great question to start us off with is who is Jesus? And who is Jesus? And, and I, the, the challenge and the encouragement is that, like, what a great question to be asked this week. Who is Jesus? And uh, we don't, uh, anyway, I just think that's a great question to take into this response time. Like, who is Jesus to you? Who has he been? Recall, like, let those stories and those memories and those things come to mind of how he's been faithful. And, and, and um, if you want to go deeper than that, take time to allow the Holy Spirit to dig into those places where we are uncomfortable where there might be shame or guilt or challenges and God is really good and he's not gonna he's not like just trying to put his thumb in it he wants to heal us that's what he wants to do and make, make give us freedom and liberty and make us whole and that's the journey you guys are on thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing all that with us our hearts are warmed and thanks for letting us get to know you and all that is so good I have like lots of bumbling like rambling words but I'll stop um, I know I want to keep going yeah I want anyway um, here at the Groves how we like to close is just kind of take a response time so we don't have a particular song Paul's just gonna play a little bit we've got communion up here um, there's a cracker and you can just stick that in the juice in the juice for communion that's just self-serve there's a basket for giving um, let's just take a moment and just respond to the Holy Spirit we'll just take a couple minutes if you want to respond and then we'll I'll close with prayer okay good all right so I'll just yeah let's just uh, take a moment or two and then we'll I'll, I'll close here